Hello and welcome to another episode of Black Blind Lads Podcast. And today we have a bit of a different episode, a bit of a, a bonus episode, as you could say. Um, I am joined by Daisy Holder, who is a disability history researcher. And you also might hear her from the Labelled podcast, uh, for who that is hosted, should I say, by Alice Evans and Lucy Wood. But uh, yeah, Daisy, how are you doing? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Like I said, at such late notice, I kind of just panicked last night. I thought, shite, <laughs> I haven't got a, a, someone for this weekend, but you came in to, to save the day. So I appreciate that. Oh, it's quite all right. I, I needed a distraction from my osteopath's appointment this morning. <laughs> I think we all need distractions from medical appointments, don't we? And yeah, apparently my everyone. back is in the wrong place. <laughs> laugh it's just just in the wrong place that's it yeah just, yeah, just in general yeah why, why is your back here i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i didn't put it there <laughs> um, so yeah i think obviously if people have guessed already obviously you're a, like i said at the start you're a disability well, history i can't speak disability history researcher there we go and that will be the topic of uh 90 of this episode but for people who haven't heard you on uh, the label podcast who are you <laughs> pretty much well as you've said I'm Daisy I'm a history researcher and writer and I'm also a you know sort of captioner and audio describer um been disabled since I was well since I was a teenager really I'm just reaching this year the half half of my life disabled point no Back in the back in the day, I always said when I got to this point, I would have a party. But um, COVID's put a bit of a dampener on that, so it might have to wait. Well, I've, I've never spoken to someone who's had a halfway point disability party before. Well, it's yeah, because I mean, now, now I've been, you know, disabled for as long as I was able. So mm. it's uh, interesting. It's, yeah, it's very strange because I spent so you know so much of my life obviously as a you know able non-disabled person that uh there are so many people that i know who have never known me as anything else it's weird yeah i'm i'm the same as that yeah that is, yeah it's an interesting one to think what is it like to have been disabled from day one and not know anything else compared to people like me and stuff yeah it's like i look back on um you know facebook memories comes up with you know stuff from when i was first on facebook at school and it's all like, you know, pictures of me running around and things. It's like, oh, God, I did run. Yeah, that was something I could do. Not, not, to, not to go off. And what, what, what is that like seeing that? That must be, is it strange or is it kind of, what, what, what emotion does that give you seeing those kind of pictures and videos? It's more strange than anything else. I don't feel any, you know, particular, um, you know, upset or frustration about seeing my past self. I'm kind of, you know, past that point now. Mm. I, I imagine for you know plenty of people it'll probably be quite upsetting but it, it doesn't bother me too much I'm mainly just sort of you know looking at my hair <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah oh, yeah that's not a surprise how was I walking around with that hair or that makeup or those clothes kind of thing I mean the clothes I, I pretty much have the same dress sense that's fine <laughs> you know 
I've, I've always been, you know, very brightly coloured and, you know, I was, I was terrible at the emo phase. I, I, yeah. you know, I, I couldn't wear all black. It was a nightmare. <laughs> I sort of had, you know, the, the big baggy black trousers and then like a multicoloured shirt and go, mm, this isn't right. This isn't how we're <laughs> supposed to do this. <laughs> so obviously you said you're, you haven't been disabled all your life. What, I mean, apart from putting it bluntly, what is your disability and how did, uh, how did that come about? Yeah, so I have um, EDS genetically, so Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which seems to run in my family because uh, my sister has it as well. Um, that's a, that has been going on for you know many, many years, as I'm sure a lot of people with similar illnesses will say. You know, there's signs of that from when I was a kid, but, you know, obviously we had no idea. Um, the first thing to kick in was my was my back, which is why I'm still seeing my osteopath up until up until this day. So essentially what seems to have happened is that, you know, all of the vertebrae of my spine decided that mm, they didn't fancy being there anymore and just started moving around a lot. And uh, yeah, I was about 17. I got really ill with what turned out to be lupus okay so um, very much counter to dr house uh, with hugh laurie sometimes it is lupus mm. and I was, that... I, was, I was very much the case of sometimes it is lupus yeah yeah and was that was it was your back just kind of the catalyst i suppose you could say of everything that then came after that yeah at, at the time we thought it was all was all related as as you would you know i'd had this chronic these chronic pain for sort of, well probably at least three years by that point so obviously mm -hmm. when i got sick as well we thought it was related and it mm -hmm. turned out no it was actually completely unrelated <laughs> i've been on a on a trip to india and i got really ill basically the minute I came back and so I was being tested by like navy doctors because I grew up um in Plymouth which is uh, right yeah. down with all of the navy so all of like the infectious diseases doctors and the tropical diseases doctors are navy mm. so being you know poked and prodded by a lot of uh, a lot of navy lads while they figured out that maybe you know I probably didn't have malaria and uh eventually determined it was lupus and just completely unrelated and then it was only only once that was being treated then some of the other signs of eds kicked in and we're going oh that's that's what that was and was you not aware of was this all new to you hearing all these different conditions and and stuff like that was it just like what is that okay it must be that and then kind of just getting on with it kind of thing yeah i guess it was relatively new to me but um my my parents are both medical so my oh, mum's okay. a nurse and my dad's a paramedic so it wasn't kind of it, it wasn't particularly scary mm. I guess the sort of experience of suddenly being around a lot of that sort of medical stuff because you know I would go and you know sit where my mum was working or go into the ambulance station where my dad was working and all of that you know it was quite familiar mm. but but yeah the, you know see the the being ill was a new thing oh yeah so that was that was tricky more because you know it was some kind of 
chronic fatiguing illness and they saw me as kind of like a you know teenage girl who was having issues and so that you know encountered the similar problems that many people in that position do that I was actually diagnosed very quickly considering I think a lot of people with lupus it's kind of like about seven years before they're diagnosed yeah I, I got sort of so ill so quickly that we got to it within about six months mm. which mm. I mean to be fair still sounds like a really long time and <laughs> I don't mm. remember a lot of that year um but no in in comparison to you know other people diagnosed with lupus it's actually very quick and was the fact that like I said a minute ago being how old you were was it do you think it was difficult for you to really show to those medical professionals and people that this isn't like a phase or anything like that it's just like you're genuinely ill and you're genuinely you know in pain and, and what have you yeah absolutely it was particularly because you know by that point I'd had you know chronic pain that they hadn't been able to figure out for a while as well there are certain you know people that you saw who just kind of like you know oh it's psychosomatic all of that but mm. I was lucky to have a very good GP at the time who recognized it wasn't quite right and um a very stubborn parent who would sit in there and sort of know exactly which what the best way to jab at the doctor until they did something was yeah so it's like the perks of having a, a nurse as a mom i suppose yeah yeah exactly you know they always say that you know if you're in a hospital ward it's the nurses who are in charge mm. i think that's certainly accurate <laughs> and so it's, it was uh was it just a, a, a massive uh, kind of learning curve obviously going from being non-disabled not really having any major problems issues whatever and then all of a sudden you kind of hear and you've got this new condition was that like a big like, adjustment if that's the right word or you know, change in your life as a whole yeah I mean yeah it was certainly it certainly was a change but also you know by the time they'd figured out what it was and I was adapting to it I get you know I was being treated for it. And so I was, mm. you know, feeling much better than I had been before they figured it out. And so, you know, I think some, to some degree, some of that was counteracted just because I was feeling so much better. Mm. But it's, it, it was certainly more of a learning curve for, I think, you know, my family and the people around me. So, you know, yeah. my mum my signed up to the, you know, the official charity where they would send you a newsletter that was, sort of four pages of money that someone had raised with a bake sale and then two pages of poetry and yeah. she, she stopped subscribing to that not long afterwards because like she doesn't need that many lupus themed bookmarks no. <laughs> yeah. but you would think there would be a limit to the amount that they could send one person it's kind of every three months you'd be sent another four bookmarks just in say case. lupus on them <laughs> Like you know, she is a big reader. We all are, but that's that's too many bookmarks. Uh, is that, that that seems to be. I think it's changing now, but uh, charities. I think it's some charities almost don't give you the information that you want. They seem to just 
it's the kind of the sympathy card that I think a lot of charities play doing oh, look at this look at this person with this particular condition particular condition and and, and what have you yeah yeah there's a lot of like you know personal stories of people who are doing whatever rather than things like you know oh here is some information about what you can do mm. that can be tricky to find i guess this is why so many people have um you know come together online and you know find like through twitter and places like that and find out so many things about their you know disabilities and chronic illnesses just by talking to other people who do it and i guess that's probably because of like you say the a lot of the charities don't give out that that information that people really want so was i mean to touch on that like you said there about social media is that is that something that's helped you do you think in understanding your condition a lot more and and wow other conditions as well really well yeah certainly for understanding other people's you know impairments and conditions i mean you know my understanding of my own could only come through you know what i experience really yeah but it is it is just sort of you know really nice um community of people to you know connect with sort of you know oh there are some others out there it's not you know it's not just you there's a there's a there's a whole disabled club out there and they're very cool (laughs) i mean personally i mean i've i've only got into the the disability sphere on twitter over the past 18 months and it is crazy kind of like like you said before I was on social media, you always thought it's just me. I'm the only blind person in the world. <laughs> well, that's the feeling you at least get. But like I said, when you go onto social media, especially Twitter, or mainly because I don't really venture onto any of the other platforms, but you just yeah. realize, wow, there's a there's a lot of people. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. People that, that like you and you know aren't obviously aren't exactly like you, like you said, only you know you, but you know, just makes you feel that bit more, um, well, that less lonely and less isolated, I suppose. Yeah, and I've spoken to so many people who, are, like, people I know who are, you know, non-disabled, kind of say, oh, you know, oh, yeah, I, I quit Twitter, you know, I gave up Twitter because it was just, you know, a horrible place and, you know, everyone's mean and blah, blah, which is probably, you know, fair for a lot of people. But I'm kind mm. of like, well, all of the disabled people and all of the historians are on Twitter. I can't really leave. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, 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 exactly that's, where, that's where we all hang out. Yeah. That's, that's the, the best line of communication with people because obviously we're not all on each other's doorsteps. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it, here's where all the cool people are. Why would <laughs> I want to leave that? Yeah. I think, do you think that also, like, like you said, those people that do say, oh, I'll quit straight, just, yeah, yeah, your average Joe said, I'll quit Twitter because he was toxic or what have you do you think it i mean it's probably it's, it has a simple answer but it could be worth a lot to that kind of person to go back onto twitter and go into a community that maybe seems alien to them at first but in the long run will be beneficial to them and just you know improves them as a human being basically well yeah for sure you know i think you know twitter's one of these places where it i think it can be quite a unpleasant place but you just sort of have to 
I think there are lots of good places in there and it's just finding them. Mm. It's kind of, you know, it's disabled Twitter, historian Twitter and like queer Twitter in particular are all, you know, excellent places where it's just sort of, you know, oh, everyone's nice. And, they, you know, just send each other funny pictures. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to dive into historian Twitter because that actually just sounds like a really cool place. I'm, I'm only cool. in I... football and disabilities where I'm not in any of this. <laughs> How is football Twitter? I've never really oh, you don't want to known go in much there. about football. No, is it? No, yeah. yeah. And I mean, if you're a football fan, it's, it's hard, hard anyway. If you're not a football fan, it, it is a hellhole. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, it's basically those kids. That's what it is. Just those of kids. All right. So I, with... sort of, I sort of imagine it if, um, you know, the chants that people do in in the stadiums yeah. when they're seeing a match, people just tweeting those, just like in caps. <laughs> that's what I do. What are you saying? <laughs> is, is that football Twitter? That that, that sounds like no, how football works. F- football is much, football Twitter is much worse. It's it's kids uh, who aren't old enough to drink with pictures of footballers as their profile pictures and saying just random opinions and arguing with each other. I mean, arguably, that is a lot of Twitter. (laughs) But they're not not educational and uh, uh, civil arguments. They're like, screw you, F you, you (laughs) F and Jeff in. Yeah, no, not a nice place. (laughs) Anyway, wow. I suppose seeing as we talk about history then, what... Hmm. What uh, what what led you to develop an interest in history and disability history specifically? Was it something you did? Or was it just something you fell into, or was it kind of just a natural passion of yours anyway? Yeah, so, so, so I always had the interest in history. Um, I did a, I did my degree in history at Bath Spa. I had um, two very good history teachers at school who um you know, made it really interesting. Mm. So I'd, I'd studied it for my degree and kind of doing the disability history in particular was kind of, I fell into it. So it's kind of, hmm, what, what things do I know about? Hmm, I know about history and I am disabled. Ah, I have an idea. But it, it is generally just really interesting. You know, it's, something that people don't know an awful lot about past you know there, there does seem to be this uh, impression that you know disabled people were only invented in the first world war and then they put us all in asylums and then isn't it nice that we've let you all out the end <laughs> of history uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's so much more to it mm. Is, was that was that originally your view on it as well you know, it certainly was mine before I've kind of dived into a bit more that you just like I said to you before we start recording you just you just don't hear people talk about the history of disability hmm. like you know further back than like you said the first world war kind of thing you think almost like just disability just wasn't a thing and it's only become a thing because of the world war or whatever it's, it's, it's a strange strange thing I think yeah yeah so I was I was you know 
certainly aware that obviously disabled people would you know obviously existed the whole time but it was um certainly the impression that you got is that our our history was essentially just very sad and very mm. you know shut away and we were forever until you know the 20th century which you know just from what i see isn't actually all that true because i mean you know if you think about it it makes sense because you know see back i guess a very long time ago kind of you know the 1800s and earlier um disability was really common you know it was much more common than it is now what with you know childhood illnesses and you know workplace accidents and you know lack of medical treatment yeah. it was just it was just a normal thing that happened to people and so you know there isn't an awful lot it's it's a struggle when you go back and look at you know like things that were written back then to find any real references to people being disabled because people just didn't mention it no it's quite, you know well ev everyone's disabled you're not special you <laughs> know you, they just don't write it down mm. almost like the opposite of what it is now almost it's yeah like now, now you have to write it down yeah so it's like otherwise you're not going to get anywhere unfortunately so getting into disability history was there one was there one kind of story or one person i suppose go that that piqued your interest the most and then like with a lot of things you just kind of fall into a rabbit hole and just end up finding about out about loads of other people and, and stories hmm. it's a very Putting interesting you on the spot question here. yeah i'm not sure if there was anything like any one specific person but um i was reading about um medical history quite mm. a bit and the um that kind of phenomenon of having you know disabled people and sort of keeping and preserving their bodies after they died for science which you know led me towards like you know the old freak shows and as they sometimes called the monster fairs and wow <laughs> yeah all, all things like that it's just kind of, you know people travel around and you know disabled people stand there and go ta-da and yeah someone throws money at them which you know part of me wishes i could still do now <laughs> yeah a bit of cash don't hurt but yeah yeah I, yeah so was that how, how does that make you feel though read and stuff like that because what i was saying a minute ago that you know stability was common and it wasn't mentioned just because most people were but at the same time if you had you know especially a visible disability obviously the way you were treated and you know well that's it the way you were treated was pretty awful so how does that not have an effect on you or do you kind of just do you become numb to it the more you read about the history of it um, yeah, I mean, I don't tend to have all that many, you know, 
feelings about history partly because um just i as a human don't have all that many feelings to start with uh, but also because it's you know it's all you know it's an academic exercise really mm. isn't it and also just because you know in a, a lot of the times people did have more um more agency than i think many people think so you know many of these people traveling in these you know freak shows as you might call them were sort of they were they didn't necessarily choose to be there but they were you know they were there under their own accord and they were doing um sort of performing for the people who were coming so you know they'd come up with their own acts and you know they were publicizing things and you know singing and dancing and painting and you know doing all of their skills and many of them had actually chosen to go there because it was yeah. you know a good way of making money you know kind of some of these people had a lot of these people have much more um agency yeah. than i think a lot of people give them credit for but there was frequently as well uh, all of these sorts of um racist undercurrents as well that you know yeah. frequently you would have sort of disabled people you know people with visible differences and then just kind of you know someone who'd been kidnapped from their homeland brought yeah. here as kind of you know a frequent one was um sort of referring to people that they kidnapped and brought over as like the missing link oh yeah it's really unpleasant yeah it's just because and that, that was just as normally as they come back then that was like that would be like their name i suppose in those times we yeah, often they did have they had like stage names Okay. So um, it can be tricky if you're trying to find out something about them because, mm. you know, the stage name means that. So you might be aware of um, General Tom Thumb. I'm not, no. He was a, um, one of these performers in, um, in one of these uh, freak shows, which was run by P.T. Barnum. Mm. Um but Tom Thumb was his stage name because there's a nursery rhyme uh, about someone called Tom Thumb. His actual name was Charles Stratton. Okay. And so, yeah, so it was often like some kind of marketing technique to, yeah, yeah. you know, see if you can make people think that, I don't know, the nursery rhyme is written about him. He's the one from the nursery rhyme. Come and see yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. And then he sits there, you know, rolls his eyes slightly and waves, and people give P.T. Barnum a lot of money. I suppose were those the the acts, I suppose you call them, were they just seen as like um, the words escape me now, just assets almost, not not like humans almost. Well, I mean, they were they were contracted generally. Um. And so it's kind of, you know, there, there were usually those kind of, you know, formal agreements. It could mm. just be quite difficult to extricate yourself from them if necessary. But, but there are certainly a few, quite a few people who um, 
were touring with the company and then went off and decided to just, you know, run the shows themselves. To, you know, sort of try and get away from all of that. Because aside from anything else, it's just sort of, you know, the people who you're traveling with and who are running the the fair or the show get a cut of your money. If you arrange it yourself, then you get it. Yeah. Was it, obviously, I'm guessing you looked at the kind of disability and how it's evolved from then up until mm. now. Did you, was there ever like a trend or something along those lines that you noticed that you know, there was, it was always someone kind of passed their values and, and thoughts and beliefs onto another person and that's what slowly almost freed disabled people, I suppose you could say? Um, so I guess, you know, part of it is that there was a very, very long time when, you know, disabled people were, you know, free and all of that. It's kind of, you know, something that I've heard many times and I imagine plenty of other people have heard too is, you know, when in the current day we're sort of complaining about things that are happening or, or campaigning for better rights or whatever, is um you know oh you've never had it so good you know you've got the equality act and all of that you're you're protected and you're safe but like it's not really true yeah it's you know it's only really from well it's arguable but i kind of see it as from kind of the industrial revolution Mm -hmm. that sort of age when all of a sudden you know the work that people did became automated and became about um about being able to do the same task repeatedly where it became you know more of an issue if you had a disability that could you know prevent you from doing that you know up until then if your disability was making it more difficult for you to do your job then you would just you know change the way you did your job yeah until you could make it work again but also even in these sort of you know places where you know groups of disabled people get together all throughout history um whenever that's happened and there's been a gang of us in one place and we haven't been treated very well uh, we all start talking to each other and then start causing problems yeah or start causing problems for, for them so, a, you know, there was a mutiny in a leper house in like the 1300s where they, uh, yeah. they all went and killed the monks who kept stealing their money. Wow. It's, it, yeah, we, we have a long history of uh, causing a ruckus. That's, that's one way of uh, uh, protesting, I suppose. Just yeah, yeah, absolutely. Treat me bad, I'll get rid of you. Simple. <laughs> so, go on. Yeah. And, to be fair, you know, it's hard to find what happened after that, other than, you know, dead monks. So I'm hmm. not really sure how whether it was uh, successful, but presumably yeah. they got their money back if they killed the people who had stolen their money. You'd hope so. <laughs> so well, yeah. <laughs> but when you said there about uh, groups and say people coming together, the I always forget the name of it. It was in the early 90s of that, when they had that TV show where they were supposed to be trying to raise money for disabled people. Oh, Telethon. That was it, yeah. Yeah. 
that was what came to mind. And you had the scenes outside the, the TV station. Was it Channel mm. 4? Or is it ITV? I can't remember now. And, um, oh, I can't remember now, no. It's one of those two, I think. And yeah, yeah, were, yeah. You know, attaching themselves to Lampo. It's almost like the how the, the suffragettes went about their business in, you know, in the 19, early 1900s. And mm. again, it's like that. That's if, 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 you know, enough people believe in the same thing and believe strongly about it, then there's not many things people will stop at to get what they deserve, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, kind of, you know, a lot of the sort of modern um, disability rights movement in the UK can be traced back to that exact, exactly that event. You know, obviously it had mm. been um, around in sort of smaller circles before that sort of you know throughout the 80s but as like a, a visible um a large and visible movement and certainly yeah that was like early 90s was um stop telethon and you got all of the the big players kicking off into what eventually got um ended up with the disability discrimination act yeah which was yeah, fine. <laughs> it's, it's a start, and it? it's just a start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was certainly um, not what a lot of the people who were campaigning wanted, but still, arguably, well, not arguably, it was absolutely better than you know what was there before, which was nothing. Mm. Do you think? Also, I've had this conversation with quite a few people on the podcast mm. that. And it's it's been it's become even more prevalent now. You know, you've had like the George Floyd incident, and then from that you have Black Lives Matter. Mm. Um, you have the Sarah Everard incident, and that became you know women's rights and equality. It's almost that, although you no one at all wants it to happen, it's almost that something really bad and serious has to happen for then people to you know take note of disabled people and realise that you know we deserve equality just as much as any other person yeah yeah absolutely it's like i've been doing a um i've been working with a project in my local area in bristol um about the disabled people's movement here and what a lot of what a lot of people have said that um who were involved in it back in the sort of you know 90s and 2000s is that it seems to be going backwards mm. you know all, all of the rights seem to be going backwards and it, it's it yeah kind of needs that sort of something to yeah you know force people to remember but but so, so much of it is you know down to like you know disabled people are tired it's, you know we're so tired of being you know beaten down by you know decades of austerity and all of that it's yeah it's hard to imagine without some kind of catalyst as you say to you know we'll find the time and the energy to do you know, to start up all that stuff because you know, all of our energy is going on surviving. So obviously you've gone through 
I mean, like you said earlier about the, the thing that happened in the 1300s, it's obviously gone pretty far back. Mm. Um, you know, find out history. Is, is that the further is, is back you've been, or have you been further back than that? No, no, you can get further back. Uh, so, you know, into the BCs. Wow. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's certainly doable, yeah. You know, there's, there's slightly less of the... Uh, the background surrounding information but it is it is there a lot of it is knowing where to look that's kind of you know half of the skill with history is less uh it's less memorizing things which is uh, good because i cannot memorize anything really yeah. um people always expect me to be good at pub quizzes and i'm just not because i cannot remember <laughs> like names and dates and things like that. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll move you on that one. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's most, most of it is like, you know, research skills and, you know, knowing where to look for this stuff and, you know, knowing how to compare the sources and go, hmm, hang on a minute, that sounds like a lie. Mm. Is that is that something you you come across a lot, that sources and, you know, whatever it is, documents, articles, that you think that is, that's, that's not true? And... When you do come out, how is it that you tell the difference between a, a legit article or a document and one that's not? Yeah, so usually what happens more than, you know, more than anything being an outright lie is just that something will be told from a different perspective and it makes it sound actually quite different. Mm. And it's, it's all about comparing comparing documents and looking up things that you already know and seeing what what fits i mean you know history in itself isn't really um you know like a, a perfectly exact you know timeline of the past you know yeah. his, history is the study of the past and so you know you expect it to change um you know as it goes on as you get more information as you know things it's why, you know, the idea of, you know, everybody rewriting, you know, the complaints of, oh, people are rewriting history are hilarious because, yes, of course, that's what history is. Yeah. Because every time you're going to find out new things and that's going to be then put into something that you may have read before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, no... it might, yeah, because it, it, it might, you know, change something you thought you knew. Mm. And, you know that's all right it's how it's supposed to be yeah and that that also could then change almost the entire picture of that particular person or, or story that that wants more detail be like wait now that makes sense that that you know kind of all fits together whereas before it might have just been quite quite thin yeah yeah exactly you know what when you hear of a lot is when um you know there'll be some famous figure and you know maybe someone's just found a pile of their personal letters mm. and you know and it says that they were you know writing to so-and-so about this or whatever and it sort of changes how, how you thought them thinking about a lot of different things mm. just go back to the uh, kind of the the old old history like the first one did you did Obviously, like you said, stories and, and documents and what have you have become 
uh, few and far between. But do you also realise it's just me making assumptions? Yeah, but do the, do the stories and things to find out also become more quite um, quite graphic? I suppose do they become more like only they're quite stand out. You know, like you said, Ed, how the monks were killed. Is it just mm. stuff? Is stuff more like that the further you go back? Um, not really. No. It's okay. um, it's you know, mostly pretty much as it as it is now, which is kind of you know, if obviously if you go that far back when when you're talking about you know someone developing a disability or an impairment, you know the the ones that are written down are the kind of more important people. So you know when it's like mm. the the emperor or the emperor's family or you know people like that, yeah. and so usually it will just sort of you know. But sometimes it'll describe how they got the injury, but sometimes it, it doesn't particularly. It would, you know, just say, oh, and they had a, you know, a lame leg or, oh, and they were injured in battle. And, you know, there's nothing particularly, um, not, not any more gruesome than, you know, anything else. I mean, you can look at stuff from you know 100 years ago and they've drawn like you know diagrams of someone peeling their skin back so that you can you know see the muscles and what's happened to them yeah Excellent. although it, it, it would be great if you could find like a vase from you know 250 bc with a picture on it of someone just peeling their skin back i would love that <laughs> also like today how you say like lame leg and i've is have you seen how the the language of disability has evolved as well? Obviously, but then you'd have lame, terms like lame leg or, uh, you know, some of the words are horrible, but, you know, like... Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and then it definitely has just slowly evolved in, for the better, really. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, you know, there, there are definitely a lot of um, terms that you come across that, you know, we you would not use now mm. um but similarly i think there are words that we use now that you know that we see is just sort of perfectly standard which will you know in the future be ones that we can't use anymore because you know the meaning of words changes yeah i'm like you know that um uh, so dumb is a good example yeah things like um dumb and moron um that those those two words kind of went from being like an official medical classification for you know different levels of um learning disability mm. to sort of becoming like like a light hearted way of saying that you know someone had been a bit foolish yeah and it's kind of you know it, it feels like it's much more recent that people are kind of remembering where that originally came from and so it, you know trying to kind of edit it out of their use mm. which is you know certainly fair enough absolutely uh, yeah there, there, there are lots of terms that i think we're you know, w will become offensive later, and so I'm. You know, I'm, I don't necessarily uh, judge people of the past for using. No. 
for using them but it but it is something so like you know i research and write about you know history things and i do them on instagram and on twitter and you know there is that kind of uh permanent warning that there will probably be you know historical terms for disability as i call them yeah i try and make a point of not um not censoring which is makes sense because you if, you if you do censor then you're not giving a true reflection of what it was like yeah exactly the time. exactly and i uh, I worry that it would be kind of like, okay, well then where 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 does it stop? Mm. Um because it was it was mainly around um you know, kind of like the the R slur. Yeah. Which is sort of like, you know, that that was a legitimate thing that they said. So it's um one one of them I shared was a it was a Boy Scouts badge. So it was it was like a badge for this specific event um, that was run by the Scouts for people with learning disabilities. And, you know, it just sort of had that written in massive letters on the badge. Wow. Yeah. And so I was kind of like, hmm, not really keen on sharing this. And I thought, actually, it'd be weird if I didn't. But if I just decided that I wasn't going to you know, show certain things. Maybe uh, quite an odd, an odd choice. I suppose as long as, like you said, you, you put that warning at the start whenever you do talk about those kind of topics and subjects that, you know, it's not as if it's, it's not, if it, it's, not if it, it's not as if it's your views and something you're saying, yeah, this is fine. You're mm. just saying, look, this is, this is a legit thing from this particular year. This is what it was like. And it's just, I think, just finding more interesting to know that that's what things were like back then. And also, you could kind of look at it in a positive light that, you know, we now see that as wrong. And, you know, I don't think anyone would, at least I'd, I'd like to think, no one would think, yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, you know, it's kind of, well, presumably people who are, you know, looking at my page for history stuff aren't going to be hugely surprised that people were using yeah. language like that. And so, yeah, so in the end, I just, you know, posted it with kind of an additional warning. But, but yes, you know, you don't have to go all that far back. And, and these were just the, the terms that you used. They were just, you know, they were medical words almost. And it's the same as any topic in it, whether it's race, gender, um, LGBT, that they're all got words, terms from you know so many years back, mm. and and you know if if you kind of have to use them, one to you know tell people that these aren't the words you use, and two to say this is how far we've come that we you know not eradicating the words, but just making sure that it, it's not right to use these words anymore because it just gives off these negative connotations yeah exactly it can be quite interesting to sort of um like watch those sort of words fall out of usage as well Mm. it's just kind of just slowly like they'll be used like when even even when i was a kid 
obviously our slur was used mm. quite a lot, you know, just with your mates joking around. Yeah, do yeah. Something, do something, like you said, do something foolish and you're like, ah, this and that. Whereas now it's, 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 like you said, it slowly kind of just trickles out of people's vocabulary. Yeah. Like dick and rank. Still used, still used, but mm. not to the extent that it once was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, I, I didn't know where it came from. No, I didn't know. I don't know. <laughs> you, you just use it because I don't know, someone in your family or a young person in your family or a friend used it and you kind of just attach it to a particular activity or event that, or, you know, situation that happened. And you think, hey, I'll just, I'll just use that from, from, uh, from now and the same with, uh, like the LGBT terms, like, you know, the word gay that was used quite a lot. It probably still is yeah, amongst yeah. children. And it's, it's, you know, I suppose it's, it's just learning that it's not what you what may once thought it, it meant. And the conversation had isn't actually what it is once you get into the, the adult world, I suppose to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So coming on to now, I suppose again, yeah, 2021, but obviously whenever I've spoken to people um, about disability, and I, I met I was on someone's interview last night and said what more could be done for disabled people. Um, I've, I always go to the, the fact that the pandemic has highlighted it, the, the, the flaws that society still has mm. for disabled people and, you know, so much more can be done. How do you think, uh, you know, showing the history of disability to as many people as possible, how do you, one, well, one, do you think that will have a positive effect and to in what way do you think it would change people's ideas and perceptions of disabled people? I mean, it would absolutely have an effect. I mean, obviously for, you know, disabled people, it's that effect of, you know, being able to see themselves in, you know, all of these things that happened. And for non-disabled people, just this idea that, you know, you've always <laughs> been here and we've always done you know all of the things we needed to and you know there's no need to be treating everybody so differently you know what possible it, it, it doesn't benefit anything it's kind of you know you learn from from what happened in the past you know learn history or be damned to repeat it or whatever the quote is yeah yeah do you think that I think it goes with anything it kind of this this kind of topic of creating awareness it, it, do you think the most important thing is education and just making people aware of the reasons not just saying don't use the answer or you know don't if you see a disabled person and non-disabled person together, don't approach the non-disabled person to talk about a disabled person. Do you have to give, how important is it? Do you think you have to give reasons behind those particular you know, things? Well, I mean, you know, there's, there, there is a limit to awareness among the general population. Like, 
I feel like at no point does anyone need to be made more aware of the fact that we're here. But, you know, I kind of feel like we've done that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know how you can make how you can make them more aware of us. Yeah, I suppose everyone knows of a disabled person. But it's just kind of I don't, I don't know what you could call it, just um, things that can help us, I suppose, being, I don't, I don't know how to the best way to say it. It's quite kind of, you know, I think a lot of where, um, what I think would, you know, sort of improve things for the table people is this sort of, you know, essentially educating our community with you know the history that they've been told doesn't exist or they've been you know prevented from learning about because you know I think a lot of non-disabled people and potentially a lot of disabled people as well but see you know disability history is just sad it's it's either just sad or it's the same as medical history and that's part of you know where some of these issues are because obviously we well now in general the um sort of active disabled community i'd say uses you know say the social model but disability history and medical history are sort of entwined because the you know the medical profession did adopt disability as a as a kind of you know a marker of abnormality that they needed to be able to cure mm. and you know it's in terms of the history it's kind of impossible to separate those those things but that's yeah. something that we still deal with today but, you mm. know all, all the way back kind of you know disabled people have been you know sort of just as much a part of the community and you know, valued and helped and cared for, but that seems to have diminished just in the last sort of, you know, 150, 200 years. And I feel like if, you know, we can all learn more about that, then we, it's almost like we know what is viable to demand. You know, like if, if we know that we were supported in all of this, like, you know, 300 years ago, well, why can't you do that now? My headphones. I was speaking and I realised my headphones on mute. <laughs> but yeah, I'll see what you mean. It's, it's, there's a, a big kind of, like I said, I was saying at the very start how, disability wasn't seen as this uh, big thing that no one really spoken about it. It wasn't needed to be mentioned because a lot of people were like it, but in that 150 year gap, like you said, that we have, but it's, I wouldn't say it's become less of a thing, but although we you know, more knowledge has been now available to us, people seem to be less 
open to yeah uh, becoming equal is that that's a, that'd be a fair statement yeah i think so um you know even when there are sort of almost hidden disabled people within our history you know these these kind of famous figures who just people don't know mm. that they're disabled you know like Frida Kahlo is a good example of that because you know a lot of people just didn't know that she was disabled because you know it's kind of never mentioned and so you know then disabled people continue to see themselves as you know not being any of these important people in history and non-disabled people see disabled people not being any important part of history not because they weren't there but just because it wasn't mentioned yeah and you know a lot of if, if any history does involve disabled people like for example you know veterans from either, either of the world wars it's it's very uh centered still on mm. non-disabled people that kind of you know oh look isn't it nice that they helped them out well done them yeah it's it's all the, the way that the history of us that people do know about is taught implies that their experience isn't actually important. Mm. I was going to say to myself actually about, like I said, those more well-known and famous people, if you like, who are disabled, but you don't realise it's just because it's not spoken about as they are so good at whatever their job is or was. And that I think, if if anyone wants to find out about that kind of stuff, I would urge you to Alice and Lucy's podcast, where I think they do pick up on individuals um, who I mean I've looked at some some of the women, they kind of think, wow, you had no idea that that person had this disability purely because whatever they did was the work they did, whether that's you know part of the suffragettes movement or they're a, a groundbreaking scientist or what have you mm. that was so strong and so impactful that their disability just doesn't come into it because you kind of why should it almost you know because they're doing something much more important and changing the world for the better really yeah yeah absolutely it's you know I may be somewhat biased, but I think the best way to improve the world is for everybody to learn history. Yeah. That's, I think that, that's, that's, that's the rules. That's, <laughs> everyone. Yes. You're, not, you're not allowed. Everybody, you have to learn about it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> stop, stop, stop whatever you're doing. Your work, leave. <laughs> Quit your job. But, learn about history. But to pick up on that, that, I mean... I never uh, learned about disability history in school. I don't know anyone that has. And I don't think it's, I don't know if it's changed now, but I don't think it's intertwined in the, you know, the education system and the curriculum. No. Obviously, and when you're educating people, the earlier you get those things into someone's head, the better it is 
obviously when they grow up because they've learned that at a young age and that's where all the information is going at that young age. You just you just store all this information and you then go in and you know turn 18 you go into the big wide world and you know about this and that yeah yeah it's like really the only disability history you get in school is is it's incidental it'll be like that you know you're learning about the second world war and then you know the lesson ends when they say this number of people died and this many people were left permanently disabled and that's the end that is the only time it is ever mentioned Mm. yeah that's it that's 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 probably the best place to stand best place to to make a change i think that's where a lot of it needs to be taught because because it is it is interesting it's not like it's like not interesting enough to be included and i'd be interested to like know why it isn't included um like obviously, you, I think you learn about black history in the school. I think I did. So you know, why not disability history? Just, just you know, just a big of, just as big thing in in the world that we live in, and even more so at the moment. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, I suppose if you could to, to round up, I suppose if someone wanted to to get into disability history um, and, you know, dive into it much like yourself and just, just surround themselves with it. What would you say to that person? You know, is there a best way to start, best place to start, or is it just finding what, you know, you find interesting to begin with and falling into that rabbit hole again? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's a, naturally a very good way of doing it this is one of the problems with disability history and that there isn't um often kind of like one central place Mm. you know that has a lot of that stuff you know quite a lot of it is very academic so it's kind of you know what i do is try and be that sort of bridge almost yeah so on um on the uh disability history snapshots instagram i have on there um in the story highlights a lot of um recommendations for books websites um podcasts all things like that where you can learn more um and i have my website where i put stuff up which is disabilityhistorysnapshots.com um I think I shall, uh, I shall have a nose at that. Because yeah. uh, it is, it's kind of like, I'm a disabled person myself, but I don't know about it, the history of disability. So, kind of culture productive almost. Mm. But we've got to, we've got to, all got to start somewhere, I suppose. Uh, absolutely, you know. I think nobody has sort of a very, um a very kind of you know wide base of this sort of thing it's it's difficult because you know like you say it's never been taught to us so yeah i think i mean we could probably pick up like different topics within disability history and just dive deep into it for like 
an episode I learn or what have you. Um, but yeah, I've I've learned definitely learned things, and I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna dive into it a bit more. I think it's it's just I mean personally, my experience with history in general wasn't that great mm. in school. So that's mostly because the teachers were rubbish. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd urge anyone to to give your website and your Instagram and your, your Twitter um, a look because there is some some fascinating stuff and you will you will learn something. I guarantee you'll learn something within being on one of those pages for no more than five minutes. You'll you'll see some of the page picture interesting. Like, yeah, there we go sorted <laughs> um but yeah thank you for coming on and taking time out your day to talk about it um i swear you've, you've already right. said your your website and your instagram but is anywhere else people can find yourself and the work that you do uh, just at twitter i'm just at daisy holder because i got twitter early so i was allowed to have my own name <laughs> i was gonna say that lucky yeah I can't this, get my this is what name. this is what happens when you join in two thousand and eight. Yeah, I I I I found I found the person that has my full name because, funnily enough, my first name and surname just equal to fifteen characters, which is the limit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but someone who did what you did opened Twitter in two thousand eight, but hasn't used it since two thousand and eight, has my handle, which um, one day That's I will. Rude. I know. I will go after him one day. I'll find him and Take get off him. Yeah. <laughs> Set a copy and they'll be in me. Whatever the legal term is for pretending to be someone. I don't know. But yeah, so thank you for coming on. Uh, I've enjoyed it very much. I hope people have enjoyed listening just as much as I have done talking to Daisy. Um, if you want to things to do another history one and a specific topic or story or person or time um then i'm sure daisy would happily come on and talk about history more absolutely um, yeah because i'll probably find out loads of things after i've done some more research on it but yeah hope you've enjoyed hope you have all enjoyed listening i can't speak english and we'll catch you very soon